And welcome to episode 100 and whoa, it's not 138, it's 143 <laughs> of the Actual Astronomy Podcast. I'm Chris and joining me is Shane. We are amateur astronomers who love looking up at the nighttime sky and not editing podcast notes. And this podcast is for anyone else who likes going out and observing under the stars. So this this one is just a, a quick update um, that I'm recording between uh, dark sky trips uh, how have you been, Shane? Um, living vicariously through you and Mike for dark sky trips. Uh, I wasn't able to get down to grasslands due to some unforeseen uh, work uh, commitments, I guess, that popped up. Um, so I wasn't able to get away when I wanted to. Um, but you guys had some observing, which uh, I really want to hear about. So you guys went down there, what was it, for two nights? Yeah, we did two nights in the grasslands uh, and then I came back and I crashed for a day and then I went out and did a couple nights at my dark sky site did some observing out there and then heading back to uh, grasslands tomorrow which is I kind of don't know whether I'm coming or going and I was listening to the radio and they were saying like on the Friday panel for something or other and I'm like why are they giving that today and my wife's like tomorrow's Friday I'm like Oh, <laughs> <laughs> are, are so you on vacation right now then? Vacation is, yeah, is that, that, that's a loose term, I suppose. But yes, I'm, I'm not working at my regular job doing some, doing some other stuff, which is um, more occupying, I guess, in many ways than, than my regular job. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Okay. Mm. Well, I guess some good news though, is that our smoke is finally dissipated. It's gone. Yeah. So yeah. we are actually seeing some stars in the sky. We're seeing blue sky during the day, which is, uh, you know, a unique thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, uh, we were, we were observing last Friday on Friday and, um, we had some cloud and plenty of smoke and then, um, and it's mostly smoke, like in the sky, just so people are aware. Like, um, I think, uh, Trevor, and we'll mention a little bit more about him later, but, uh, Trevor was, was mentioning just over in Brandon, which is about 400 kilometers to our East. Um, they had smoke at ground level and, uh, Oof. you know, really feel, really feel for people that are in that situation. Cause really for us, for the most part, we've just had smoke, um, higher up in the skies, like many people in North America, it only ventured down to ground level, I think for the odd day here, here and there, but, uh, mm -hmm. anyhow, so we had smoke in the upper atmosphere, um, some clouds and, we, uh, we were doing a public event and uh, set up some telescopes. I, I did a couple talks, took, took folks up, and, uh, and yeah, we poked around the sky a little bit. And then the clouds slowly left, and just as kind of people were starting to leave, and uh, they were able to get some views of Jupiter and Saturn. So that, that, was, that was cool. But the next night um, looked, looked even better, and it was. Um, the smoke totally cleared out, or like 90% of it did anyway. And then um, uh, we did have some clouds poke around. So it wasn't too, too bad. It was kind of annoying because you sort of start observing something and then uh, some, some cloud would, would come over it. But, uh, but yeah, all, all told, uh, you know, doing the stuff with, with Parks Canada staff uh, and, uh, and Mike and I, we ended up with about 60 or 70 people out over a couple nights, I think. So yeah, it was, it was pretty good. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, the, the skies down there are just so, so great. And, and, you know, the neat thing too, is, is it often is good conditions. Oh, you know, if you take away the smoke, um, 
there's so many times we go down there and, um, uh, you know, it just seems to clear off uh, most evenings, you know, and you end up with some really good observing conditions. Yeah, we were, we were chatting about that there. I was, I was trying to convince people the first night to hang around for a bit because um, it does tend to clear out. And when we first went up, we, we could see maybe five or six stars and that was it. Um, and then, uh, and then by the time, uh, you know, it was truly dark, uh, 1030, quarter to 11, um, you know, we could probably see no more stars than I can see from my backyard here in the city. Um, but you could see them and, and it is dark, you know, you, you can, you can kind of punch through it a, a little bit, but we couldn't see any deep sky objects or anything, but that, that second night, uh, you know, with, with the Milky Way views that you can see, uh, from there was, was spectacular. Mm-hmm. So which telescope did you end up taking? Well, I took a telescope, but I didn't bother setting it up. Uh, it wasn't, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't necessary. It was, yeah, it was kind of funny. So the, you know, with, with COVID, so, uh, doing some, uh, some work with the, uh, Parks Canada, which is an extension of the Canadian government. Um, and, uh, they, they have a lot of protocols and, um, so when I was doing stuff with them, I was, you know, as, as I probably would have been anyway, like wearing a mask and, uh, distancing and, uh, you know, doing, doing what we can, t- uh, to be safe. Uh, you know, I'm just, I'm just there for the weekend kind of thing, but, uh, you know, but, but the people that work there all the time, you know, um, they're really kind of, uh, dealing with a lot of contacts over a prolonged period of time and, uh, certainly hats off to them for doing that. And they do an excellent job. So I was like, yeah, whatever you guys are doing, I'm just gonna follow right along behind you. Right. So, so we, we did that, but, uh, they, they set up their scopes and had people looking through them. And then the next night, that night and the next night, I mostly did sky tours and Saturday I was going to set up, um, but then something happened and uh, I, I just didn't have the time to, to do it. Mike set up his scope and, uh, and, and people the second night weren't as interested in looking through telescopes. They really just wanted to see the Milky Way. So oh, really? I gave them, yeah. So I ended up giving them a few t- tours of the Milky Way mm-hmm. um, until about a quarter after eleven at night. So, and by that time, I was just like, you know what, Mike's got his twelve-inch setup. I'm just going to look through that. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. So, what were some of the highlights uh, that you guys looked at through the twelve-inch? Yeah, we looked at quite a bit. Like we looked at the Swan, and we could really see like the the little stars and sort of the the clouds in in and around the neck area. And we looked at uh, like. Uh, let's see barnard's e we looked at um whole pile of different stuff uh, a lot of the open clusters down in that area sky um looked at m22 um yeah it was it was getting late i was i was pretty tired i was pretty bagged so but i i spent a long time just looking at the milky way because just the detail that you can kind of trace out there and um i was able to trace out like the dark horse for okay. the for the public um, oh, and they were able to pull or they were, they were able to see it. Oh yeah. No problem. You know, they were yeah. like, what's the big deal. Right. <laughs> and I'm that's, like, this is awesome. so dark here. You guys have no idea, but it was cool. Like, I mean, you know, nobody, nobody left that experience, um, having not seen the Milky way and, uh, and, and at least a Cause I kind of quizzed them on what they were, what they were seeing when I was kind of pointing out the dark horse and, uh, and, and they seemed to see it. So, uh, it was, you know, um, when people are readily seeing the dark horse, um, super easy, um, and kind of wondering what the big deal is, then, um, you know, that, that truly is, is pretty much a, a pristine site. And, you know, you could even see like the different, 
sort of the different textures in the different um, star clouds of the Milky Way. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you could see like the chain of stars that goes up to um, M uh, M11 up in the Scutum star cloud and uh, different things like that. So it was just fun just to kind of scan binoculars through and kind of took people on, on a bit of a binocular tour too. And um, yeah, just kind of, kind of panned around uh, quite a bit. So yeah, it was, it, it was so cool. Like, I just love looking at the Milky Way from down there. It's, it's spectacular. And, you know, it was the, the area going into like off Yucas and then that bulge um, in and around like uh, the, uh, the dark horse. Um, I'm not going to say it was as bright as like the, um, the Milky Way is from my recently dark site, but um, just the detail really is, is really weird. Cause usually Usually you see the Milky Way and you can sort of see some defining characteristics. It kind of looks like clumpy clouds, but mm-hmm. when, when you're looking at it down there, you can kind of, you know, trace out like different rifts between the clouds. Like they, they really do look like uh, sort of these separate clouds and, um, you know, things like M8, M21, 22, super obvious. Like yeah. anybody, you know, again, I can point this out. Anybody can see them. Like it's not like, um, any of this stuff is, is threshold or anything like that at all. And yeah, it just, just amazing. Yeah. Pretty good. time. Yeah. yeah. You know, like down there and, and really like any really good dark site, um, particularly if you have, uh, you know, good to great transparency, I find the Milky way, like, like even naked eye to be almost photographic. And I don't want to mislead people. Like the brightness is not there. Like you see it kind of glowing in a photograph. But what I mean is like, like you're talking about some of this detail, like between the riffs and the textures and you, you, you get so many fine details just visually from a real dark site that like it, it has some of those photographic characteristics that, you know, I think most people that have, or I shouldn't say most people, that's a big generalization, but, you know, a lot of folks that maybe have seen the Milky Way under moderately dark skies, um, you know, would think, you you know, you can't see any kind of that detail without, uh, you know, a photograph long exposure type of thing. But, you know, you get under these, these, uh, well, fairly rare, but, you know, really dark skies. It's just incredible what, what they yeah. reveal. It's, uh, yeah. it's a wonderland up there. Yeah, it's yeah, it it really is uh, quite spectacular. Yeah, and then uh, last night I had uh, had a pretty pretty good session, just me and me and the deer and the coyotes and, and mostly coyotes last night and and deer this morning, uh, rushing off to work I assume. <laughs> yeah, uh, saw lots of Perseids um, poked around the sky with my sixty millimeter and my binoculars, and so from from my reasonably dark sight, I can just I can just see the pipe. Um, part of the the dark horse it's it's there I, I don't think i don't i don't think most people would be able to see it if i pointed it out i i don't think i can really see the rest of it that was that was about as as faint uh, or as difficult i guess it's not a bright object it's just a dark object that that was sort of as as good as as the sky can reveal there i think but i was able to get uh, m55 the big globular there um south uh, east of the of the handle of uh of sagittarius's teapot uh you like naked eye you were able to get that no 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 just okay. with binoculars yeah Got yeah it. that Got was it. with binoculars. i can see the uh, the dark uh pipe nebula naked eye and with binoculars and there's okay. barely uh m m55 yeah that would be that would be a good sign <laughs> um which, which binos your seven by 35s just my yeah just my seven by 35s and took uh took a long look at kemble's cascade uh, could see that naked eye that was pretty easy and binoculars yeah 
and uh, M31. It's a pretty easy naked eye. And took a look at M33 and binoculars in the telescope. Pretty pretty easy to see that, even though it was pretty low. Only I don't know. From there, it's 10 degrees up. It's probably more like closer to 20 degrees up. But uh, yeah, I worked through all the usual nebulas and clusters from M8. Uh, you know, M21, 22. You know. Uh, Eagle Nebula and Swan Nebula, star clouds, and, you know, Scutum star cloud and M11, the wild duck cluster, and, you know, uh, all the way up to uh, like Altair and Terra Z and Barnard Z uh, region. Took a long look at M13 and M51 as well. Um, yeah, saw, saw tons of meteors, saw a really, really bright meteor come in uh, straight overhead and, and straight down. So, yeah, yeah, got uh, getting some some observing, and finally, yeah. So I got three nights in uh, this past week, and pretty pretty long sessions too. Like uh, I guess three hours each time. Uh, last night I did an hour on the planets, and then just as it was getting dark, I think I sent you a photo. Yeah, yeah, it was a uh, kind of twilight time frame there. Some belt of Venus was appearing. Mm. Yeah, you could see the belt of Venus, and looked at the moon for a while, and. Yeah, we could see all kinds of like little craters, little craterlets all over the moon, like little black dots all over it. And then, uh, yeah, there was a lot of flies around too, but they weren't they weren't the flies. I don't know what these flies were, but there's all these flies. Huh. Um, yeah. Cool. Well, you know, and you mentioned Kemble's Cascade, and I just want to key in on that for a minute because that's one of my favorite clusters to look at in the sky. Yeah. Um, because it's so unique. Like it's a straight line of st- like fairly bright stars that um, kind of, you know, connects or almost flows into a, a real tight open cluster NGC 1502 at the end. Right. But, um, you know, through a, a, a telescope that, well, really any telescope will show it uh, quite well, but my, uh, my 120 millimeter refractor, that's um, the heck is that now F seven, I think it is seven ish, yep. 7.5. Um, it, I can fit the entire cluster like uh, Campbell's cascade with NGC 1502 in the field of view. And it has, you know, enough aperture, but yet a wide enough field that it's just an outstanding view. Um, I love it. And, you know, there's a little bit of a connection to Campbell and uh, this part of the world. Campbell uh, was a, a fairly, you know, I think well, well known and regarded amateur astronomer during his day. Yeah. And he did a lot of his observing about, I don't know, 15 minutes away from my house <laughs> uh, in the Lumsden Valley, which is just outside of our city. And yep. um, anyway, he ended up having this asterism. I think it's classified as an asterism, isn't it? Campbell's it is. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, anyway, he ended up having this named after him. And, and uh, if you've never looked at Campbell's Cascade, check it out. It's up by Cassiopeia and it's, uh, it's a real cool thing. It's up in uh, Camelopardalus. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is not the northern camel; it's the northern giraffe. <laughs> <laughs> well, there yeah. we go. Now, now we've cleared up the giraffe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, sort of just a funny footnote to that is I, I actually drive by the old site of his um, observatory on on my way to to my place. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, so I'm about not not even quite twice the distance, but. Uh, but anyway, just sort of continuing on in that general direction, um, just because uh, it is like probably one of the darker uh, regions uh, to go to that that still has, uh, yeah, um, you know, re- reasonable places uh, to go at night. So yeah, it's pretty pretty decent up that way still. 
I think probably it would be pretty bright from where he would have been now, but uh, yeah. 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 It, it's know. changed a lot since then. And it, it wouldn't be as ideal of an observing spot now. It's still darker than my backyard, but uh, definitely probably not what it was like. Uh, I'm trying to think when he would have done a lot of that in the seventies, eighties. Yeah, yeah. Something, something like, like that. that. Yeah, yeah. Maybe nineties even, but, but yeah, that's where, where his observatory was is my, that's my worst part of the sky. Right. Right. So, yeah. So, yeah. 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 Well, that's cool. I I didn't get any observing in, but um, with vacation coming up here, I uh, I'm expecting, you know, if the skies cooperate, I'm hoping to get a lot of planetary and lunar observing done uh, at night and uh, maybe some solar observing during the day if everything cooperates, but um, yeah. Yeah. You should, uh, should come out with me and uh, you know, cause we, we can, we can set up and leave the scopes up. And now that, I got that bit of work done. Uh, hopefully finish up tomorrow. Um, don't have to worry about anybody raising any dust or anything like that. And uh, yeah, should be, should be good to, uh, to get, uh, you know, another scope up on the hill. Look, looks like a pretty cool shot eh, with the scope set up on the hill like that. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of neat. The telescope. So for all the, all of the listeners, the photo that Chris sent is again, it's at twilight. You got kind of the belt of Venus forming, which is that purplish color in the sky, purplish kind of pink. And, and that's the earth's shadow being cast up onto the atmosphere. Um, and then he had his telescope on a tripod, but it was silhouetted against the the brighter sky. So it looked yeah. pretty cool. Like, you know, it's kind of those quintessential astronomer telescope shots where, where you just have it silhouetted against, uh, yeah, just a brighter part of the, the sky. It's kind of neat. Yeah. 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 It's pretty, it, yeah, it looks, uh, looks pretty good even there, even there in person. So yeah. And I found just, just the right spot so that I can block. There's a few lights about four, four kilometers away, five kilometers away and kind of figured out the right spot that, uh, can block them. So had a, we had an email from Bill or I had an email from Bill who sent us a link about those, uh, filter goggles. I was really hoping you'd pick up a pair of these filter. I think they're like welder goggles, but you can slap filters. in. I think those would, those should be in your style wardrobe for back to work. Yeah. I don't know about those. <laughs> so yeah, they're, they're basically like, well, uh, yeah, you're right. Like welder goggles, but you can uh, attach or screw in two inch filters over each eye. And then you would have, um, you know, filtered naked eye viewing. Um, but like how, how much, like, what could you really see? Like, I know that there are some objects that would jump out and maybe more dark nebula than anything. I, I don't know. I don't know how useful they would be in, or practical um, in terms of, uh, you know, the amount of times I would use them with the investment of like having to double up my two inch filter collection. <sighs> I don't know. Are, are you going for it? <laughs> I think it's the best $49 you could ever spend. Well, for sure. That, that part of it isn't too bad. It's the extra $300 for another UHC <laughs> filter that has me a little bothered. You need to, you need to make the right friends. Um, yeah, I think, I think Bill, uh, just by sheer coincidence, end up with some very similar filters through another acquisition that he was making. I think he was buying a, uh, buying a little, uh, one of the four inch television refractors anyway. And, and so then he, he came across this. I, I think it's pretty cool. Like I would, I would definitely like, like to try it out or, or have somebody else, uh, take, take the plunge first. Um, but I would, I would think that something like a pretty broadband or, or a wideband UHC or UHC dash S like one of the Celestron or Bader ones. I think those would work really good in it. I, I would think so. 
But uh, yeah, I think they can flip up and down. I don't have the link here, but uh, yeah, yeah, you can flip the filters up so that you can see and not, you know, break your neck tripping over something <laughs> while you're yeah. walking. Yeah. Um, so chair, chair is another accessory you'll need. Yeah, yeah. You know, if I had binoculars that would accept uh, two-inch filters, then there's sort of another use case to having them. But I don't have any binoculars like that, so I just don't see this happening for me. Yeah, I, I could I could see getting something like that eventually. I, I think it's pretty cool, but uh yeah, I don't know. Like you said, that the the other cost of the other filter. But uh anyway, I think I think Bill's gonna get them and and I hope he reports back. Um, yeah. Yeah, or, or, I think or if any listeners have have bought these things and used them, uh let us know what you think because I mean, there is some curiosity there for sure on my part. Yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. Um, and then I promised I'd give a shout out to Trevor. Yeah. 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 Why don't you go through that email? That was a pretty cool email. Yeah. So we heard from, uh, from Trevor who, I don't know if he's an RAC member, but, uh, he is, is I think one of the founding members of the Brandon and area astronomical society. And, uh, they were, they were working with the Winnipeg RASC, um, Royal Astronomical Society of Canada. So these two organizations were, were working together at Spruce Woods, uh, provincial park over the, the past weekend um, and they had some good uh, public crowds out did some solar viewing uh, and that sort of stuff um, and he was telling us that uh, uh, that he and a few others um, who volunteered with the Brandon University Astronomical Observatory have sort of come together to form form this group uh, called the Brandon and Area Astronomical Society uh, started in 2015 kind of held back a little um, yeah, for the uh, for the COVID uh, you know pandemic, but uh, they're they're up and running. And uh, he said, "Yeah, would you mind doing a shout out in case anybody out there listening um, is in the is in the general area?" And I'm like, "Yeah, absolutely. Like that's awesome. Yeah, we're I think we're happy to to put shouts out and raise awareness to anybody's um, astronomy club um, endeavors. It's so hard. I know what it's like. You and I have both been." um, astronomy center and club presidents and that sort of thing. And, and it, and it is difficult to kind of, kind of get your word out, your message out. So yeah, if, if anybody wants us to, to do those kind of shout outs, we are, we are happy to do it and, you know, good work to, to Trevor and the folks over in Brandon. Uh, that's, that's actually probably other than our own local center and, uh, and Saskatoon, that would be like the, the next closest astronomy group, I think to us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're right. I never even thought of that, but for sure it would be. And, uh, yeah, kudos, uh, kudos to Trevor and the folks for you know making that club happen. Uh, sometimes uh, that can be a bit of a thankless job, and you sometimes put in a lot of hours. But you know the reward is you get to just meet a lot of astronomers and have a lot of good observing and and form a, a bit of a community around uh, the hobby, which is a, a real rewarding thing to do. So that's awesome. Yeah, I should have said only only if you come down and go to observing with us in the in the grasslands. I kind of I kind of mentioned like you guys should come down and go observing with us in the grass because it's so much fun. Um, yeah, it is to, to go and and do these events. You know, like they were at uh, at Spruce Woods Provincial Park doing a, a big public event. And we were down in the grasslands same weekend, and uh, you know, I, I I ran into uh, an individual that that I had had run into, I think just the year, the the year of the pandemic or the year prior to the pandemic, I guess, and uh, you know, it's had hadn't reconnected, and that individual had had gone out and bought a ten inch daub, and um, so it's great. I think they're gonna gonna come down and join me uh, this weekend because I'm kind of looking for for an extra telescope uh, to kind of help out with the event, and. Uh, 
you know, it's great to, to do these, these events and, and to meet people and to go observing with them. Um, you know, uh, people that you, you would otherwise, uh, never have met, you know, and, uh, you know, and, and I think, uh, I think this person's just getting going, but, you know, um, I bet you, I bet you they're able to see some great stuff with a 10 inch telescope from the grasslands. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That would be, <laughs> that would be quite the, the tool. Um, you know, gee, like even our two by 42 binoculars do a fantastic job down there. So, you know, anything under a dark sky, pretty hard to beat that. <laughs> and I think, uh, we heard from Eric as well. Um, yeah, who, yeah, yeah. He's a listener and, and, uh, somebody who corresponds with us. He's, He's out of Calgary, and uh, I think I think anyway I could be wrong there, um, and uh, and I think uh, I think we're going to try to meet up in in the grasslands in uh, in October. Yeah, so, yeah, uh, for Canadian Thanksgiving, um, which I think is like the second weekend of October. Um, the weather at that time of the year can be a little unpredictable, um, particularly. Never. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, particularly on like the overnight low side. Um, yeah. so we'll have to watch, you know, the forecast, I think West block is a little warmer, uh, than we're so you like for the listeners, Chris and I tried a, a, a thanks, a Canadian Thanksgiving observing session a couple of years ago, and we went to the East block of grasslands and things got pretty chilly, pretty quick. And it was a lot colder than, than the forecast. Um, but I think West block typically stays a little warmer and I feel like their forecasting is a little more accurate there. Um, so For, forecast at nighttime low, negative three, actual nighttime low, negative 20 with the wind. Chill. <laughs> <laughs> it actually yeah. went to minus 12 and then it was windy. Yeah, so it was really windy. We left. Yeah. <laughs> we went yeah. home like same yeah. people. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, that was nuts. So yeah, um, hopefully we can make that Thanksgiving weekend work. Well, not we, but more so the weather. <laughs> yeah, and if it is, uh, you know, one one thing we can do there, and I'm going to see if I if I can arrange it. I did this once before, and no no promises, especially um, with all the COVID business. Um, is is to see if I can get um, under under the good graces of of the stuff that uh, that we've done over the years with Parks Canada. Um, and if it does look like it is going to be cold to, to ask very nicely and see if maybe look out and light a fire for us inside in the, in the wood burning stove. Um, mm-hmm. they did that before and it was, uh, phenomenal to have a warm room. Um, you know, when you're 400 kilometers out in the, you know, wilderness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. When it, when it gets chilly, having a, a little spot to warm up really can extend your session. Um, it doesn't keep you going all night. Cause at some point, at least with me, the cold just takes over and it's, you know, it's time to get in a sleeping bag and, and there's really no other option, but, um, up until that point, you know, some, a little bit of warm up, you know, in a sh- sort of a shelter or some kind of shack can add another hour or two onto the night. Yeah. We had the bison come down for a visit, oh, yeah. hundred, about 180 of them. And, yep. uh, they're in what's called their, their rutting season or their procreative yeah. phase. And, uh, they, uh, they make a lot of noise. They kind of <laughs> sound like monsters in the dark. And the first night I, I was just telling, uh, uh, one of our friends, Veronica, uh, she, she was there and, and I was telling her, her about, you know, having sort of slept through this once before. And you, I kind of had some strange dreams. And then, um, then I got back to my tent. I was like, is that somebody snoring or what is that? And I was like, Oh, I think they were far away. But then the next night they were just on the other side of the hill. 
Um, and I was actually worried I wouldn't be able to sleep because they were so loud, but I did get to sleep, but, uh, but yeah, they, they're pretty, pretty loud. I'm not going to try to recreate the, the sounds that uh, Red and Bryce and me. Uh, Thank you. Because <laughs> we, we appreciate our, our viewers too much and our listeners. And, and yeah, yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting. They were, they were like wallowing in the dirt on the other, in the next like field over from us when we were setting up the scopes and um, we could see them. There's like 180 bison and these are plains bison, not your little bison that are a little bit bigger than a cow. These things, I think, think they said there were six tons each, something like that. I think, I think that's what they said. And, uh, and somebody said, well, it's a good thing you're camped. Um, so I had camped in behind the bison fence and uh, I was kind of like, yeah, I kind of realized that that fence is just the illusion of safety though, because, you know, the first seven or eight bison might get hung up on the fence, but the next 172, they're, they're coming through, you know, like, <laughs> but no, it's, it's pretty safe there when, when you're camped out, uh, inside the inside the bison corral but yeah they came they came down pretty close because everybody in the campground could hear them uh the next night yeah and i did hear a very strange sound that night that wasn't bison hmm. well maybe uh maybe it was a bigfoot it was yeah it was mike's <laughs> it was mike's bigfoot i oh, was yes. i went to bed and i could hear the strange squeaking sound coming from the the main campground i was i was way over in the corner in the overflow which is like i i I have a photo. I mean, I should send it. It's we're like, I'm like half a kilometer away or maybe the better part of a kilometer away from where the campground is, uh, you know, driving distance Really, you can walk there, but I mean, it's a good walk. And, uh, and so I could hear this weird squeaking sound, you know, I'm kind of right at a Christmas vacation almost like, man, what is like, did it, I was thinking, cause there's a, there's a gate and I'm actually behind two gates. Um, and I was like, man, did somebody leave one of the gates open and did a bison like wander through? And just as I was thinking this, I heard this giant crash and I'm like, Whoa, what was that? And then nothing. And I was like, all right, well, I was thinking, Oh, it must've been like some sort of other animal. There's a badger around. I thought maybe a badger get on one of the garbage cans and just knocked it over or something, even though that would be impossible. Um, and when I told Mike the next day, he said, yeah, that was him. He was something stuck on his trailer and he knocked over his, uh, his, uh, stove when he was trying to fix it. <laughs> I'm like, wow, I bet you I was the other one that heard that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Probably startled a few people. Yeah. You've got a shout out too. I hear. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so another listener, Christian, um, had, uh, had asked for a mailing address to send kind of a like, I guess an art project, um, that was inspired by some of the stuff, um, that we talked about on the podcast. So, uh, I did receive that and it was super, super cool. Um, there's multiple components to this. Um, so one of them is like, uh, it's like a light gel sort of sample pack that, um, I think like lighting professionals use and, oh yeah, there's gotta be like at least 50 swatches is my guess of like color transparencies. And, um, they're like on a string and, um, Christian said, like he uses them just to quickly put them like between his eyeball and the eyepiece just to, you know, add a different color filter, um, mm. you know, to see how things change. And, uh, so that was part of it, uh, again, super cool. Um, and then probably about, a I don't know, a six inch by six inch or maybe seven or eight inch by, you know, squared, um, piece of Amber, um, I guess like light lens. It's, uh, I think it's probably about an eighth of an inch thick. Oh. Um, so it's kind of neat. Uh, you know, you could cut out little chunks to put over top of, um, 
uh, uh, flashlights or whatever to, to change it to an amber color. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. So that was kind of neat. Uh, there is a, there's a set of solar stamps. So in the U S um, their postal service released a, a series of, I think there's about 12 um, uh, stamps of the sun, like different images of the sun, but it's like a, it was a metallic printing. So, you know, depending how the light catches it, it, it really kind of, you know, makes the, the image pop and it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, big thanks to, to Christian, uh, it was wow, a, cool. a real neat thing and I'll, I'll show it to you, Chris, next time we get together. Um, you'll, I think you'll really appreciate it. Yeah. I, I really, I really love looking, um, at that kind of stuff and just, um, whatever people have on the go. I know, um, one of the local observers, uh, Risa, and she, uh, she's a professor of fine arts and, I remember she was doing all this sketching and I, it, it was one of those things that really kicked me off to learn how to sketch is that, you know, although, although she is like an artist, like in all, in all true respects, the word, um, you know, and I, I'm definitely just somebody who, who enjoys doing astronomical sketching, just watching people's um, process um, and the different art that they, they create. I find just uh, so fascinating, inspiring, just, I think because I'm really not gifted in those ways, but I, I truly do, do enjoy. Um, I almost enjoy watching that kind of stuff and, and seeing what people are, are just creating just, just like, you know, re- regular folks that, that you can have a conversation with. Um, yeah. Just, just really cool just to see what, what people are up to. So yeah, if people do have other art projects on the go, um, boy, I think we'd love to see them too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, even if it, you know, send us photographs and, uh, yeah, we would love to, to see it. It's, it just need to, see how our hobby can transition into other hobbies. And, uh, you know, there's a, like when I look at the stars, even naked eye through a telescope, um, you know, it, it feels artistic. Like it feels like, you know, um, I guess maybe because it inspires to a certain level and, mm. uh, you know, makes you react in a different way, sensory wise. Um, anyway, I'm sort of rambling here. That, that's okay. I was thinking, I, I was reading something on art recently and I, I do enjoy reading a bit on 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 art and somebody was using like a code i think it's called a code mask or something like that and about how you know um i think it was like 150 or 200 years ago people would use these to to look at landscapes to give them um like more of a i guess like a like the feel of a painting or something like that and i was thinking now just what you're talking and what you said i was thinking huh i wonder if that could be used um on the milky way from a dark site that, that could be very cool. Mm-hmm. Anyway, anyway, um, I think it's a code mask. Anyway, pe- people can look that up. That would be an interesting experiment, uh, to do from the grassland sometime. Maybe, maybe I could do one of my sketches using something like that and present it to Shane and have him, have him weep out of despair for my, my poor art skills. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, let's give it a try. Yeah. I don't, I don't know when is this podcast coming out because we, we are, I don't know that we're going to get another one out in the next five days anyway. Well, I think we're due to release one actually today. So I might yeah. send it out tonight or if you get it to me tomorrow or whenever, I'll, I'll probably just yeah, I'll get it to you before I go. Yeah. But, uh, I think that we may, we may miss one here. I'm thinking yeah. we, <laughs> okay. we're going to get an episode behind maybe. So, um, I would say our apologies for that, but, uh, but no, I mean, uh, you know, Shane's going on vacation and, and I'm going observing for hopefully my, this will be my sixth or seventh night. 
um, here over the past uh, 10 or 11 days. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy to be going out and doing uh, all this observing and you're just kind of getting the, the highlights here. Um, I haven't done any sketching, but um, I'm hoping that, that once, once I get back and we start uh, getting that, that site sort of, you got to get out there and kind of get a feel for it. And then uh, we can get out and, uh, and maybe start setting it up um, this autumn and uh, yeah, start, start observing there and, yeah, it's super dark locally. There's some lights in the distance, but uh, it's better than anything else I've seen within about uh, a 45 or 50 minute drive. So yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. would love to check it out. All right. Well, Shane, do you have anything else to add? That is all, sir. All right. Let me, let me say goodbye and let me say thanks to everybody for listening. Thank you everyone for listening and we hope you enjoyed the show. If you are interested in more information, would like to contact us, or if you would like to support the podcast, check out our website, actualastronomy.com.